this fact, is that we have um, a prerequisite. And the prerequisite to be able to follow Jesus is that you're a sinner. And so I'd like everybody to raise their hands this morning if you fall in that category. And if you don't, you're deceived because the scripture says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you are not needing to clean up your behavior in order to check out and to follow Jesus. And that's not who Jesus came around and not who Jesus sort of picked and called off the street. The, some of the most unlikely people he was telling to come follow him. And so it's a, a, a truth just up front. And so whatever category, not only for yourself, but maybe your friends, your family members, is that being a sinner does not disqualify you from being a follower of Jesus. It is actually a prerequisite. And there was a second thing, if you remember from last week, and it's this, is that being an unbeliever does not disqualify you. No early followers um, believed. They didn't believe Jesus was God. They did not believe that he uh, uh, was everything that he'd said he is. They were just checking him out, and they came with their current disposition, attitude, mental belief, cognitive understanding. Uh, yeah, maybe there was interest in checking out a Messiah or those kinds of things, but you did not have to front load your mind and your heart with belief in order to follow Jesus. Now, one of the reasons these two things are critical for us to understand is because we live in an environment that can uh, sort of hide the simplicity of what Jesus came to bring. Because Jesus did not come to bring a religion that was going to bog people down. He came to bring a relationship. And during that day, there was a lot of religion. A lot of religion. And religion simply would say this, change change and you can join us and so there was a whole list of commands there's a whole volumes of different kinds of attitudes and thoughts and actions and it's like well you really want to be religious you want to be in with it then you need to change and Jesus when he came he did something very radical he flipped it on its head he said join us and you will change Join us and you will change. Now, I know sometimes it's hard for us to get a feel for this because we've been around an understanding of Jesus for 2,000 years. And maybe you grew up an understanding of Jesus, that kind of thing. But the religious heavy culture of that day was dominated by a religious elite group of people. And Jesus changed it and flipped it on its head. Some of you maybe are mindful of the GameStop issue this week and all the fear of, oh my gosh, this GameStop issue uh, with investors and hedge funds investors is flipping it on its head and, and common, ordinary, regular folks like you and I can maybe control or influence some of the markets, that kind of deal. It's like, whoa, step back. Or in the political world, like, oh, step back. The culture religiously of that day was established. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he radically altered it. And I think today, we need to get back to some of that simplicity that Jesus brought. Some of the radical flipping things on its head. Maybe you're here today because uh, you have been a longtime person who's following Jesus. Maybe you're here today because you're just trying to figure it out. Maybe you're watching online and somebody had you dial in or sit down with them in the living room and you're trying to figure out where the God thing's at. Well, what Jesus brought was not the religion. He brought the relationship. And being a sinner and being a non-believer, you're in, you're good. Step into it. And so the question during this series is very simple and straightforward. Am I following? 
Not am I going to church, am I being good, am I reading my scriptures, am I measuring up to other people around me? The simple question for these weeks is, am I following? And at whatever place you are in following Jesus, it's okay to be in that moment as long as you're continuing to pursue and follow Him and understand Him. But I'll tell you this, if you follow Jesus with an open heart and an open mind and a willingness to find yourself in His presence, you will change. You will change because He will change some of your heart and He will change you and your perspective on things. And you'll look back one day and go, wow, I've really changed. But you don't have to get it all together to change up front. Now what we're going to do today is we're going to look at another narrative, another narrative uh, story of Jesus. And uh, it's recorded in a few different places this narrative is. And uh, a couple of those places are in the Gospels. You know, there's four Gospel accounts, four um, uh, narratives, uh, long narratives about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one of these have their own perspective. Matthew was an eyewitness. Mark was uh, written by someone who journeyed with Peter, and he saw what was going on and sort of wrote Peter's account. And then Luke, Luke was an investigator, and he always was turning over every stone, trying to figure it out and putting the narrative and the story together. And then John was an eyewitness as well. So it's quite incredible that we have in our day and age four different perspectives of looking at the life of Jesus. So the narrative we're looking at today is going to... Um, uh, come upon you from some of these different narratives, and I just want to pull out the two uh, in particular. The first one comes out of Matthew, and Matthew was pretty straightforward with this narrative. In fact, he's very succinct. Matthew was writing his uh, gospel to those who were already deep in the faith, those who were uh, mindful of uh, the Jewish culture, that kind of thing, and so he was sort of quick to the punch with his articulation of it. And then we're going to look at Luke's account. Now, the reason I want to look at the Matthew account is because if you just look at the Matthew account of this story, you're going to sit back and go, well, that's, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward and heavy and seems a little bit unreasonable. All right? So here we go with Matthew. Matthew says this in 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, okay, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And then it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. At once. This version of it is like, well, just going on, you're about your normal every day, your workplace world, and all of a sudden, boom, at once, I'm just getting up and I'm following Jesus. And that may sound a little threatening and scaring and, and to some degree irresponsible, right? Doesn't sound all that spiritual. It goes on and says this, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee preparing their nets all right so you got this picture you got uh peter and you got andrew and you got james and john and and they're all sort of at work you know they're on the job they're in the business in fact we find out here from the sons of zebedee that this was a family business that was being passed down okay 
Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. If you grew up in a church, maybe you were in a strong youth ministry or whatever that gave the challenge of, you know, you follow the Lord, give everything you got, you got to go. And uh, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And there's some truth to that kind of aspect. But there was this front loading of the following thing, like everything right now, go, go for it. You got to walk away. And, and, and here you got this example on a map. You're like, well, what's going on? It's, they're just fishing. And all of a sudden, this guy comes along and he says, hey, follow me. And these people go, okay. They drop their nets and they just follow cold turkey. I sort of think of it in terms of if, uh, you know, there's some houses being across, built across the road from where our house sits, and we sort of see all these houses being built on this hill, and there's construction going on every day, and they're up early in the morning, and if you drive through the neighborhood, they're building, and they're, you know, have all the different construction disciplines there. It'd be like you're on the job working really hard, maybe you're a subcontractor, you're working for, you know, the roofing people or the framing people or electric people, I don't know, and this guy out of the blue comes along and he says, hey, 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 follow me. And all the workers do what? They just drop their tools and they walk off, to which the foreman's going, what, 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 what's going on here? Well, what about Father Zebedee here, Right? He's got his boys, and they're working at the fishing business. And Jesus comes along, and all of a sudden, his boys go, Hey, hey, Dad, you know, we're going to go with the guy with the sandals, and I, I trust everything's okay, going to be good. You say hi to Mom, but we're out of here. We're taking off, and that, they're gone. And, and you sort of get that feel from this depiction in the Matthew story. At once, they dropped everything, and they followed but is that really what happened? You see, Luke, his version's a little bit better because it sort of unpacks the story. Luke goes around, he interacts, he investigates, he articulates you know, some of the things he's heard, he wants to verify him, what happened exactly with this particular scene. And so uh, Luke, he gives a bit fuller account, and it's critical to understand this fuller account, because in this fuller account, I believe that there's a place that each of us can find ourselves in this story. And if you're here today, or if you're watching, and uh, you've been pressured to be a Christ follower, pressured to walk away from everything, pressured to give it all up, and follow Jesus, and, and in your heart, you're like, well, wait a second, I mean, that, that doesn't sound spiritual to me, that sounds rather irresponsible. Well, then you're in good company, because all the people during that time, when Jesus appeared and began teaching and interacting with people on the scene, he was about the age of 30, Scripture articulates, is that, you know, there was this stand back, well, wait, wait a second, I'm not so sure. But Jesus would walk those streets, he would walk the construction site, he walked the shores of Galilee, and he just called them to come follow him, but it wasn't this brash, harsh, decisive follow. There was this bit of a checking out kind of aspect, and so let's go to the Luke account of this story. In Luke, he's articulating where this is at. It's at the Sea of Galilee. 
Now, the Sea of Galilee is a real place. It's in Israel. It's just north of the Dead Sea where nothing lives. But the Sea of Galilee, all this area of Judea, Samaria, and the Galilee area, this is where Jesus did all of his ministry at. And you can physically go there today because it's historical. This isn't some legendary belief or, or some idea that, hey, you know, Christ was a, uh, a myth or, um, you know, something that was conjured up. You know, maybe he was... no. All the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, and the accounts of Jesus in his life are recorded in this particular area. And the Sea of Galilee, it wasn't like a little pond or a lake, okay? It was a sea. It's called the Sea of Galilee. And you can see some of the mountains in the back. Maybe some of you have been there before. I've had the opportunity to be there before. And you physically can see the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked, where this kind of story was unpacked and occurred and happened. And you can get out on the Sea of Galilee on boats like that where people uh, go and, and, and they get that feel. I think one of the, the most endearing kind of visuals I had in moments with the Lord was when I was able to spend a large number of hours just sitting along the Sea of Galilee and watching the fishermen fish. And they weren't fishing with some hook line. They were fishing with nets. And so as Luke checks out this account, the beginning of Jesus, when he's asking people to follow him, it was a very common, ordinary, everyday scene. And Jesus shows up, and Luke says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is a, another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Jesus shows up on the scene as a teacher, as a rabbi. And so there were crowds gathering around him, and it was uh, a, not an uncommon practice for somebody to teach. But this particular environment, he's got a lot of people. And they're crowding in, and they, this guy's pretty good, man. Let's listen to what he's got to say, that kind of thing. And he is there teaching the Word of God. And this is critical because this very first aspect of following has to do with listening, not doing anything. Listening to information, content, understanding. If you are at the beginning level of considering following with Jesus, or you're trying to encourage a friend to consider following Jesus, you don't need to get up in their face, wallop on them, tell them that everything's got to change in their life. You know, you're just going to ask them to do one thing. Hey, get around and listen to Jesus. Instruction, teaching, content, information. You and I have a faith that is not based on hearsay. It's based on on historical information it's based on truth it's based on an understanding a knowledge it's based on reason now if you're ever around a faith or religion or even a christianity stream that says oh don't ask questions just believe just you know knock that off or you don't have faith or something. Well, that's the wrong stream to be in. You need to take your questions 
You need to have that heart that searches for knowledge, and you need to check it out with Jesus. And he's telling them what the Word of God's teaching, and they're listening to him. The Christian faith is rational. It's never irrational. Sometimes it's super rational. It goes beyond reason, but it never needs to go against reason. And so when Jesus is calling them, he's, he's just given information. And so th this is one of the critical things that's needed, especially if you're at the beginning level of saying, yeah, I'm willing to try to follow Jesus. It's just listen, draw close, read his word. All right. Interact maybe with others that know him. Then it goes on and says this. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now you understand this. These fishermen had been out there fishing all night long. And they uh, would come in in the morning and they would take their nets, which they'd cast, and they needed to clean up. It was time to be done. And so they would bring their nets in. They would stretch their nets on uh, wooden poles and they would pick off all the, you know, the slime or the, you know, the seaweed or maybe there's a pair of sunglasses or beer cans. You know, they're just cleaning out their nets from having them all cast out there during the, the, the time when they were fishing. And so this scene transitions to Jesus who's teaching along the shoreline. And then here's this little cameo of these fishermen that have come up and they're hanging their nets, they're washing their nets and, and they would hang them up, they would dry and then they would take them down, they would roll them up, they'd store them away for the next time that they went out to go fishing. A very common, ordinary scene. And so this is what's being depicted, this is what's taking place. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter, and ask him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So I don't know if there was a, this massive crowd that was coming at him and you sort of get backed up along uh, the shoreline and your feet are getting mucky and muddy and you don't have the right kind of shoes and they're pressing it around and there's more people coming. And he says, oh, here's a boat. These fishermen are hanging their nets. And he ops and jumps into the boat and he goes out a little ways. I don't fully understand what that. I do know that when you actually speak from like a boat on water and you have a hill before you, it's actually a nice means of amplification. So maybe the crowd was increasing. He wanted to get back to be able to teach them and the water reflecting off of uh, the, the sound reflecting off the water was very helpful. But for whatever reason, in the midst of him teaching, in the midst of people just listening and gaining a perspective on what he was trying to get them to understand, Jesus takes this next step and he gets in a boat and whether the boat was tethered or whether Peter went out there in the boat with him, we don't really fully know, but he's teaching from the boat. And he taught the people from the boat um, more truth, more knowledge, more information. But it was a next kind of step where he sort of had them um, sort of dialed in um, in a closer environment kind of way. Now, Peter, whether Peter's in the boat or Peter's on the side still working with his nets, all the time that he's working, he's listening. Just like some of you when you work and you listen to maybe a podcast or somebody else, he, he's just listening. 
casual environment. He's, you know, he's finishing up uh, from his work uh, night, if you will, and he's listening to Jesus. And you know what? He's pretty good. Jesus is pretty good, man. He's, he's, he's giving some great sermons. And, uh, and he's talking away. So from the listening aspect, then this closer environment where Peter is, uh, is listening and being taught by Jesus. Verse 4 says, When he had finished speaking... When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, wasn't that a great sermon? What do you think, Peter? Why don't you leave everything right now and come follow me? Just drop it all off. Is that what he said? No, Luke is unpacking this. It's something a little bit deeper. It's something a little bit more uh, intensive of all that's going on. So in verse 4, he says, it says, When he said to Peter, now what did he say to Peter? He said to Peter this, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a uh, catch. He's asking Peter, catch this. He's asking Peter to do something very simple. After Peter has listened, after Peter has drawn closer and an understanding of, of, of his teaching, he's asking Peter to do something he's done a thousand times before. Except there's a problem with this. Do you know what the problem is? Well, the problem is that um, Peter's a pretty expert fisherman. And he's looking at maybe he knew Jesus was a carpenter, and he's like, I don't know if carpenters know much about fishing or not. Why would I come and put out into the deep water when I just got on shore? I've cleaned our nets and everything. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now catch the word. He says, Master. He doesn't say, Lord. He doesn't say God. He says master, which was a respectful term. It's sort of like, you know, Jedi. There's a lot of them, you know. And, and, and you know, hey, master teacher. It's just a common uh, stepping back kind of uh, expression. A master. Master. We've worked our tails off all night. And we haven't caught anything. Now, they worked at night because it was a deep sea. And so during the heat of the day, the fish, instead of being up at the surface, would head to deep waters. And if you're fishing with a net, you are going to need the waters to be cool. So they've fished all night. They've not caught anything, which would probably bum you out a little bit. And now this guy has showed up yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good rabbi teacher guy. He had some really pretty good things to say. And, you know, hey, I'll loan you my boat. That's not a problem. I, I'll let you stay in my boat if you want to teach. But now he's taking another step with these fishermen, and he's asking them to do something that they've done a thousand times before, but he's asking them to do it in a different kind of way. Peter's thinking to himself, as was the other guys, well, pff, man, our nets are dry. I mean, this would be like, you know, it's like 
going horseback riding and you, you know, you've groomed the horse and, and you put away the saddle or you're going four-wheeling and you just washed up your four-wheeler and, and what? That just doesn't make any sense. Why would we go back out and uh, fish? We didn't catch anything to begin with and, and you know, he's contemplating this. He's holding this in his mind and he's not quite sure where to go with it. He's also mindful. He's also mindful that there's several, um, I don't know, hundreds of people at least, probably, that were listening to Jesus. And they were listening to Him. And they were watching, what are these fishermen going to do? He finished his sermon. Very good. Good turn. Peter, guys, let's push out. Let's, let's go fishing. What? Just cleaned up, we're done. And then everybody watching is watching going, they're going to go back out and fish as it's heating up in the day? They're crazy. Those are really dumb fishermen. And Peter's very mindful of this. He's sort of on the spot. Now catch me, friends. This is important. Your faith, your faith is not about just assuming knowledge to some set of information. Your faith is not about coming and sitting in church or watching online. Your faith is an encounter. It's a relationship with God Himself who came in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, when He was here on this earth, He didn't pontificate in some high, holy cathedral. He didn't demand some immediate allegiance to Him because He's got some title put on Him from a church institution. Jesus went among the people he taught among the people. He's teaching you. He's inviting you to follow. He says, listen, there's information. There's content. This is not pious stuff. This is not make-believe. I want to invite you in. And he's wooing them in to a personal relationship through them listening, through them sitting in a closer environment, being taught. And now the critical step. This is huge. He's asking them to make a step and do something. But it's not something that's uncommon or unknowable to them. He's not going to come to you and I and overwhelm us with, with some type of expectation to do something that's way off the charts. He's going to come and He's going to ask you to do something like He asked Peter to do something and to make a move. And Peter has a defining moment here. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? Peter is not so sure about going out. So he says this, but because you say so, I will let down the net. He has enough respect for this master, for this rabbi. He said, you know, I've listened to quite a few and you're pretty good. And um, all right. And I liked, I saw how people responded to you. And it's not because I think we're going to get any fish. It's not because I want to uh, beef up my reputation. You know, it's not because, you know, there's uh, some sense of accolades that's going to come from. I'm just going to simply do this one thing because you say so. I will let down the net. Now we're going to look at this a little bit um, further, but uh, uh, you ever had that prompting of God? 
Maybe it's that still small whisper in your head. Maybe it's a little bit of the elbow to the ribs. There's this prodding. There's this prompting. You need to do this. You need to do this. And so Jesus makes this ask of Peter. And I, I don't know, if they had iPhones, maybe he, he would pull out his iPhone and say, hey, hey, look, this is a defining moment for you, Peter. You, you just need to know what's going to happen in this very moment right here, how you're going to respond to this simple ask of doing this one thing to go out and to cast your nets. It's, it's going to be a defining moment in your life. And he, and he pulls up a picture and he pulls up this picture and he says, looky there, look at that. You know what that is? I mean, it's St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And you know what? You know what that is? It's the tomb for St. Peter. And guess what? You're St. Peter. I mean, Peter, you gotta, you gotta get a read on this, this defining moment of what's gonna be happening in your life. And look, look at the monstrosity of that thing, and incredible. You know, it took 120 years to build this bad boy, and it, it was like the miracle of the Renaissance, and there's all kinds of incredible things. Let me take you inside, Peter. Here, look at this picture. And and look, look how majesty majestical it is and the height of it. These are little people down here who 2,000 years after this moment are gonna be walking into your area where they say, at least a tradition that says that you're buried. I mean, look at this. Isn't this incredible? You're, you're on the moment. So can we go fishing? Can we go fishing? You see, we got all the history, right? We got all the history and we understand this, but it, it all began somewhere. Peter, he listened to the request and he made the decision. He made the move. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. It was a step. It was a step. It was a step that he needed to take. And Jesus was just walking him out with it all. When they had done so, verse 6, didn't say when they thought about it, when they prayed about it, when they contemplated about it, when they had done so, they took the step. They took the action based upon Jesus nudging them. Hey, do this. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. It's an overwhelming response of the fish Right? To this initiative, it was an overwhelming response to Jesus and who He was. And so they're there as fishermen going, oh my gosh, this was worth getting our nets all wet again for, man, or whatever. We'll clean them up again. Look at this hall and everything. And they're thinking what? They're looking up on the shoreline and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with these fish. So they signal to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that these wooden boats began to sink. Hello, hello. Can you bring the refrigerator truck? Man, we got enough here for a whole month worse, you know? And they're excited. They're focused on this haul of fish and what it all means and those kinds of things. As a miracle. As a miracle. What did Peter do? 
When Peter saw this, he didn't call for the refrigerated trucks. They got another boat and they started to haul it in. He didn't go to Zebedee and say, whoa, man, this will help the family business. Where did his mind go? Where did his heart go? He fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, a couple things you need to notice, right? No longer is he saying, Master. He's now saying, Lord. He acknowledges and he comes in that moment to understand who Jesus is, but not only who Jesus is, he also comes to a fresh awareness of who he is as a sinful man. And Jesus didn't like stop and point that out. Hey, that sinful man part, you need to really belabor that. No. This is the beginning of the genuine relationship that the Apostle Peter had with Jesus. If you're a believer today and and you go to live eternally with the Lord, you will get a chance to meet Peter. And he can unpack this whole story a lot better with more details than even Luke did. And Peter will say, you know, that was it. That was the beginning. I, I took this step to respond because he said so. And when I did that, there was this massive haul of fish. But I realized in that moment, Oh my goodness, I am am standing. I am now kneeling. He fell at the feet of Jesus and immediately recognized, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Reality to find in that moment. Have you ever had those kind of moments? Have you ever had those moments where God's revealed and done something in your life and you realized who He is and who you are? And it radically alters the trajectory of your relationship with Him. If you've not had one of those moments, I want to encourage you that maybe, maybe there is just something in your common, ordinary sphere of life that Jesus has been asking you to do. Maybe it's something in your relational world. Maybe it's something in your financial world. Maybe it's something in your professional world. Maybe it's just something common unto you. And there's the still, small, subtle voice. Hey, do this, do this. Do this and see. And as you respond to that simple step, things begin to change in your relationship in this following of Jesus. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. And they were afraid. Oh my goodness, who is this we're standing before? Don't be afraid. From now on, from now on, there's something I haven't told you yet because the timing wasn't right. There's something I haven't asked you to do yet because, you know, you just weren't ready for it. But lean into me. Here's the next step. From now on, you will fish. For people. 
Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're like, well, man, whatever. Well, I don't know what that means, man, but we're in. We're good. This was incredible. I can't believe it. You are the Lord, and, 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 and we are who we are. And so they just humbly and accepting, and an accepting member say, we're in. We're going we're gonna to take this out. And then Jesus goes on. He says, so they pulled up their boats on the shore. They left everything and followed him. Now, aren't you glad we have Luke's account? That's a little bit better than Luke just, uh, I mean, than Matthew just going, hey, you know, at once they immediately follow him. It's like, what? That's irresponsible. But here's Luke unpacking what's happened. People in their common, ordinary day of life, they start to endear themselves. They listen. They hear the teaching of Jesus. From the teaching of Jesus, they, they take like a next step and they, and, they, and they start to endear themselves more closely in it. And they got questions and, and things they're interacting with. And then Jesus takes this initial ask for them to do something that's common to them, but yet a little bit different kind of practice. And so they step out and do that. And then when they see God act and do something in their life, what happens in their heart and their spirit? Like, yeah. And they left everything and they followed him. And so begins the storyline of those early disciples. Am I following? Am I following? And that's the question I put to us in this measure as we look at things here in closing. There are four things that I want you to consider as next steps. And that's why I've entitled today. Next steps. The four stages of following. The first is sit and listen. Sit and listen. Maybe your next step is just to come back next week. Maybe you've been working with a friend. Invite them to come with you. Just sit and listen. Maybe you're online. Just dial back up next week. Sit and listen. And that listen is not only just in a church environment to a message, it, it may be just actually grabbing a hold of uh, these scriptures and looking in and, and discovering Jesus in the Gospels more. But that's a simple step. And Jesus isn't calling something radical out of the box. Just sit and listen. But the noise we have in our culture today and all the distractions of monetary things as well as other experiential things keep people from listening and listening to Jesus. And even as I pray today, it's like my, I just need to encourage us to sit and listen. And I here am responsible to help teach some of the scriptures. That's a big responsibility. And as you teach your, your kids or your family members or coworkers, there is a need for us just to keep it in that simplicity. Come, come and listen. Stage two is loan him the boat. That was a step, wasn't it? Hey, Peter, can I use your boat? Um, sure, Master. You're a pretty good preacher. You can use my boat. And in that boat, as Peter, I vision Peter sitting there holding it steady and those kinds of things. He's up close to Jesus. He's listening more to Jesus. He's maybe asking questions. We don't know. There's that other step of faith to be able to come in a more endeared environment. Some of you have been heard me say for the last few weeks, whether in person or online, that uh, there's a place for you to come with your questions, to come just as you are, to seek out trying to follow Jesus. 
And whether it's you or a friend, we want to encourage you to do that again. And I, I decided to sort of, for some various reasons, one, because a wedding's coming up, but also to kick the, uh, the start of a group called Rooted um, down a few weeks because I think there's some others that need to get in the boat and come up close to Jesus. Maybe you're that way. Maybe you have been that way or you're sort of at a dry place. I encourage you to go on a 10-week experience of getting in a group that uh, investigates the life of Jesus and God's plan, His purpose for you, for His people, for His church. And, and just get exposed. And real simple to do it. You can just write on your Connect card on the way out or you know, text the word rooted in your name to that number right there. 951-816-7273. There is a need for us to not just get information, but to come up alongside. You know why? Jesus got in their presence. And there's something about the body of Christ and you're found in His presence more through the body of Christ. Get closer. Come in. Loan Him your boat. And then the third is take Him fishing. I don't know what it is, like I mentioned. Maybe it's something in your professional life, your financial world, uh, your relational world. That little nudging. Here was Peter who had spent a few hours there with Jesus, eyeball to eyeball, right? Shoulder to shoulder. And something happened in that moment when he decided to take that step of obedience. What does it mean for you to take Jesus' vision and take Him up on something He's prodding and speaking into your heart and your mind now? Live with no regrets. If you don't do it, you will regret it. Because you, you won't have any idea what God wanted to unpack in your life. I'm not saying there's some St. Peter's Basilica for you, right? But you're, you're at a place that you, you don't know. A simple step of obedience. How it could change the whole trajectory of your life, your family, generations to come. Take that step. Go fishing with Him. Something maybe that's common, but in a different kind of measure. And then fourth you'll end up maybe coming to that place and maybe you're at that place right now where Jesus, He just says, come follow Me. And you need to leave everything, whatever that may entail, that you're hanging on to and follow Him. Follow Him. So the question. question is real simple. Am I following Jesus? And at what place and step Am I in in following Him? When I look back upon this in my own life, there's different seasons where it's like, what if I hadn't done that? Where would I be today? What if I'd stayed clear from that? How much quicker I'd been to where God wanted me to be? I remember when I was in high school youth group and the challenge was given and some of those initial steps to come and listen to him happened in my heart. I remember in college and just the stepping out and um, taking on something that the Lord asked me to do. I remember meeting my wife Melissa and the journey that we were on in courtship and, and trying to listen to the Lord in that and the step that we took. Oh my goodness, what if I hadn't taken that? It's sort of like a car accident sometimes when you're in it and then your emotions come back to you and think, oh my goodness, what if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? You have this surreal kind of moment. It's like, what if that hadn't happened? 
but you're on the other side of it. What if you don't take some of those steps today? What is it that could change or not happen in your life because you continue to resist Jesus prodding His simple ask to come and listen maybe, to use the boat, to be able to go fishing, to leave all and follow Him. So that's my plea and that's my encouragement this morning is that you just listen to Jesus and discover what the next step is for you. Let's pray. Lord, in these moments I ask that You would brand on our hearts Your voice. Your still, small, subtle voice, whether through Your Word, through just the inner spirit, we don't even know if it's our conscience or subconscious or other things or maybe the voice of others. But Lord, may we learn to, to at least listen and then maybe take that next step of acting whereby we can see You revealed in your, more of Your fullness and that we can come in an understanding of who You are and a better understanding of who we are. And across this room and, and across the, the online opportunity, I pray, Jesus, for that individual this morning who has been challenged and insecure. They're afraid. They're worried about what others are going to think. They're worried about where this might lead. Lord, may You give them boldness and confidence to make that next step. Maybe it's just coming back here next week, listening online. Maybe it's signing up for a rooted group that they can learn more and ask questions because they got a lot of them. Maybe it's taking that initial step of something that's familiar, but yet being done in an uncommon way that is really a little bit of a risk. Maybe it's letting go of all. So Lord, may Your Holy Spirit minister to each and every person. May You bring us back next week to continue this investigative journey of what it was like 2,000 years ago, but what it's like still today through Your Spirit who's with us and learning how to follow. And God's people said,